Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film Junk Podcast for Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. This is episode number 923, and my name is Sean. My name is Jay. And my name is Frank. Coming up on this week's episode, we've got a review of The Holdovers. We're also going to talk about some other movies we watched. Uh, I believe Frank checked out uh, The Boy and the Heron. Not sure what else we'll get into, but uh, it's going to be good. So thanks for downloading the show. Glad to have you guys with us in what will probably be our last show of the year. Hope everybody's getting ready for, for Christmas, for the holidays. How, how are you guys doing with all that? Not too bad. Pretty good. Just, Just uh, finishing work up and about to fully commit to the holiday season. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to finish up Christmas shopping and that's about it. I'm pumped. Yeah. I'm almost done shopping. I did a lot of wrapping today. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm in a place where I'm, I'm ready for the holidays. So it's, uh, it's good. I mean, the thing I'm most looking forward to is our Patreon live stream. That's the highlight of the holiday season. Absolutely. I mean, Sean, when, when is this thing happening? I mean, I need to know. <laughs> well, I guess we we have to decide on a time still, which we could do right here, right now. But uh, we're looking at Friday, December 29th, correct? That's what we said. Friday, December yeah. 29th. And I think we usually do it at like, I'm going to say 6 p.m. Eastern time. I was trying to look back at our other live streams. We kind of want to pick a time that's like, you know, people in the UK and, and Europe could still potentially join. I know it's going to be late, but uh, let's say 6 p.m. And if anything changes, you know, we'll we'll put up a post. We'll put up a reminder anyway on Patreon. But, um, you know, be open to all, all patrons, patreon.com slash filmjunk. Uh, if you're not currently a patron you might want to check it out it's going to be a fun time and we've got the uh thread open thread for people to post questions ahead of time as well uh and there's lots of stuff in there so you know it's going to be a packed live stream yeah it's gonna it's gonna rock <laughs> i mean come on <laughs> i'll tell you what else helped get me into the christmas spirit oh what watching a couple movies a Christmas mm-hmm. Story and Black Christmas. Yep, both holiday classics. I think we can all agree, and uh, that's that's going to be the premium double feature that we'll be recording today. Should be up for patrons uh, on the premium tier or above, probably well before Christmas. We'll say so. Keep an eye out for that, and uh, we also have our Trapped in Paradise retro review, which is currently up for patrons in audio and video format. And the video is also available for everyone on YouTube. So check it out. Jay put a lot of work into editing this one. There's lots of interesting little tidbits uh, for for longtime Film Junk listeners. I think you're going to like it. Yeah, it was a fun fun discussion of a classic Christmas film. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's lots of Christmas content coming your way and, uh, you know, hopefully you guys will be able to enjoy that in between all of your other holiday celebration stuff that's going on. Got to mention also the Junkers Choice Awards. The nominees are up and voting is open. 
you've got until basically first week of January, I would say, to get some voting in. <laughs> okay, Frank. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a, a very strange coughing fit. Good but, now, though. I mean, Frank's been a little concerned as of late. Uh, I understand there was a, I don't want to say UFO sighting. Uh, UAP, I guess, would be the correct term. I don't know what, what you would describe it as, but Frank, what did you see in the night sky recently? Well, I wouldn't say I've been concerned as of late. <laughs> I would say I, mean, you seem I very was concerned. <laughs> I was concerned 20 minutes before we started the show and I recorded it. And it's just a trail of lights all following consecutively uh, above my house, moving not rapidly, slowly calmly and then i kept watching them and as soon as i put my phone away they started to disappear they went away and uh yeah i was just trying to think of what it could be jay and i were discussing it a bit it's probably drones is the most likely but i don't know something's up it's not santa too early still it looked like it could have been santa and if you're gonna do drones or if it is aliens pull that stuff on christmas eve it'll just get the kids excited you could actually point up and say look it's it's santa in the sky that's how it should really go down i mean he could just be mapping out his route ahead of time you never know how these things work i think he's keeping up with the tech these days so it's possible he might but. be doing drone deliveries now <laughs> <clears throat> would be smart if he was if he was doing that yeah I'm not going to lie, though. It was odd. What I saw in the sky was odd. So it was kind of like a vertical line of lights, right? And were, th yeah. were they going up or like what direction were they moving? Across the sky. So that would be from, <laughs> that would be east to west. Okay. Not great with direction. <laughs> yeah, it means nothing to me either. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a little weird. I don't have a, an explanation, but hopefully some of the UAP experts can help us with this. I, I know we have a few listeners that are really into this stuff. I can actually hear stuff right now going on outside the house. Go get and, the bat. Uh, Go get the bat. <laughs> I might have to. You should keep one under the desk as well. <laughs> I think it's fireworks, which would lend credence to Jay's theory that maybe they're related to some kind of show or fireworks show. Mm. Yeah, Ni Niagara Falls has been using drones apparently for drone shows. Drone shows, really? Yeah. But the more okay. I'm listening, this is not fireworks. There's someone walking around outside. Could be. It's most likely my neighbor. Sounds likely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I guess we should mention too, uh, there was a... Uh, a video that went up on the Film Junk Instagram. Please go to the Film Junk Instagram first, Film Junk Podcast. Is that correct? Is that the correct handle? I think that's correct. And I was going to say on that Instagram, there was a video that went up this past week that was a little bit of a, you know, there, there was some discussion. I don't recall if it was on, I think it was mostly on one of the Patreon episodes we recorded. I don't remember where this I thought it was first. offline for the most part, but... No, it was on Patreon. It, it was our junk mail. Oh, okay. Because somebody asked about Sean uh, mispronouncing certain 
not just pronouncing the way he pronounces certain words like Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then it led into a discussion of a strange phenomenon that's been observed from Frank, which is the kind of imaginary chewing gum thing. <laughs> anyway, there's a little video clip of this. If you're, if you heard the discussion and you're curious what it, what that was all about, you can check out the video. Frank, do you have a response to this? Uh, no, just adding to another list of things that makes me hate myself more every day. <laughs> so, uh, it's good, good, good to get it out there. Just face those, uh, I wouldn't say fears necessarily, but whatever it is. Noise. I don't think I do it anymore. I think it's gone. Hmm. You've cured I, yourself? I don't think it's gone. It's gone. It shouldn't be gone. I mean, it's cool. Like, it's cool when you do it. <laughs> it looks- <laughs> You'll never see it again. <laughs> hmm. Damn it. Wow. Well, I mean... Uh, be, see for yourself. Be proud, I mean. be proud of your strange idiosyncrasies. That's what I say. What did you think, uh, Sean? I mean, after seeing it, were you like, oh, yeah, I, I think I have noticed that on Game Junk when he's ranting and raving about <laughs> Nintendo yeah, fans I mean, or whatever? When, when you first said it, I kind of knew what you were talking about. So mm. it's not. But like I said, I don't think it's exclusive to Frank either. I think it is a thing I've seen other people do. I think there's a yeah. tensing of the jaw that happens sometimes that I think is kind of what's causing it. But it might be know. a specific response that's developed by podcasters specifically <laughs> in the zoom era of podcasting because you make a point and it's like a way of like you know saying this is a good point without interrupting you're handing the baton to the next person to respond while still saying yeah that's really good what i just said <laughs> even though it probably wasn't <laughs> you think it's good it's so even better it's- when it's in combination with a, a chair adjustment like <laughs> You know? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. It's it really drives our point sweet. home. It's a new form of storytelling and language that's developed through our uh, new media landscape. So I don't know. We're just exposing these things, being pioneers in ways. And as I've always <laughs> said, I'm a storyteller, and I believe I. What do I say, Jay? Uh, what words that is be how thy, we feel? Not my name. <laughs> oh yes. Do we have that on the oh. soundboard? Or? Right. What do you actually say? Frank says... Frank says the key to change <laughs> is all in the way we speak to one another. That's true. And I speak without words now. I'm on my way. Perhaps that's why I was chosen tonight by lights over my house. I'm developing telepathic, nonverbal, communicative abilities. Yeah. Could very well be. He's like dancing on the edge of chaos and order. <laughs> Um, so, okay, before we get into our hero shout out, I just got to like poke at one little thing, Frank, no. you know, this is it's <laughs> all, it's, it's nothing to do with the, uh, <laughs> nothing to do with the gum chewing. It's just, Hello. it's the holiday season and I know people are dying. Like there's a lot of trailers coming out right now. <laughs> <laughs> this actually makes sense. And it's, people really, really needed a response from you with regards to the new John Krasinski, Ryan Reynolds film, if, <laughs> which stands for imaginary friend. Well, first I have to say I'm other people on this podcast have already made public responses. Uh, albeit without comment. 
on their social media. Jay posted just a, a still of what was it from the imagination of John Krasinski? Yes. And what was the music selection? Diamanda Galas. <laughs> Diamanda Vegas. Um. (laughs) So I I guess I share the vibe of that post. Uh, It feels like it's just a national treasure casting of voice actors in a, what looks to be an attempt at a Pixar type thing. Obviously gave me little monsters vibes. If you remember that film from 1989, is that, Mm -hmm. I think it was 89. It, and drop dead Fred. A lot of people. Sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as we've said many times for movies recently, it looks like absolute ass visually. <laughs> and uh, who? But it has a pretty well-known cinematographer. Is it Janusz Kaminski? That's sounds uh, like something Krasinski would. Uh, exactly. Doesn't it? Doesn't it all feel that way? Like everything. It's Krasinski exactly and Kaminski. <laughs> uh, it's just a weird match right there. Um, yeah, I, it it obviously doesn't look good. I guess is, I wasn't. It is Yanish confirmed. Wasn't as deeply offended as I thought I might be, but it's it's just the overall. I think Jay summed it up best. Like now, this is a a selling feature from the imagination of John Krasinski. <laughs> <laughs> it's got I mean, a score by Randy Newman. Hmm. So trying Definitely. to. It feels very algorithmic uh, and basic observations of other similar films all being probably in pre-production molded into one concept to sell and be marketed by Ryan Reynolds marketing firm and tied in with Mint Mobile and uh, Aviation Gin. Um, Maybe it'll be a kid's (laughs) version of Aviation Booze that they can get into the the movie, which, you know, uh, letter to the editor, let's not be promoting children drinking alcohol <laughs> in these movies uh but uh Eddie. yeah it looks looks pretty bad Eddie. i mean i'm i'm a huge ryan reynolds fan free guy was like my number one movie of a couple of years ago uh i love welcome to Wrexham. i have to admit it it doesn't look great the one thing that in the middle i thought some of the visuals looked interesting when it actually kind of looked like kids drawings come to life kind of thing but the yeah, main I, creature that they show at the beginning just looks like such a generic uh cartoon character uh, i mean just, the visual designs and art <clears throat> seem about on par with most modern animated movies so it's not like offensive in comparison to almost everything that's out there although i will say i have no plans on seeing is it migration uh mm-hmm. but i the this the speckle uh, and the uh, what's what's the word of like the reflective nature of the mallards, the mallard blue head on the, on the male is absolutely uh, breathtaking. <laughs> we'll get to be, we'll be getting into breathtaking birds later in the boy and the heron. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really care to be honest. It, it seems just offensive in its averageness kind of like everything else that's released these days. So I guess what bothers me the most about it is that people are giving it so much attention because of who's attached to it, where it just looks more like typical garbage. Is uh, Krasinski directing the next quiet place or no? Cause I think that's coming no. out. 
soon after as well. I remember hearing who was directing it. I can't recall now, though. I mean, he's a storyteller, so I don't know why he'd want to tell. And he needs to tell new stories. He's got his look at his imagination. He's got Is a it? lot of stories to tell. I, whatever. I, it's, I, I, I don't I thought, really care. I'm sure that it'll be fantastic. <laughs> I thought it was Jeff Nichols I had heard was doing The Quiet Place. I guess it's a spinoff, not a sequel, but then he left the project, so I actually don't know who's doing it. Is it A Quiet Place Day One? I think that's the one, yeah. Michael Samoski? Sarnoski, sorry. See, yeah, that's oh, more Pig, about... The guy the, who did Pig. Love Pig. That's more about, you know, probably the initial elements. His John was concerned about telling a story about a family. And if that family is no longer, that's his connection to that universe. The universe was just <laughs> a setting for a story about a family. So without that element, I could see how he wouldn't be interested. Well, he just has a lot of, in his imagination that he needs to get out into the world. So, Well, know. he also has to foster the imagination of other storytellers and that's give true. them the opportunity to flex their muscles. This has, uh, it looks like, uh, Lapita Nyong'o and I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, Jimon Honsu, Honsu from that's right. Um, who I just saw pop up in the pilot episode of Nine Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero. No <laughs> shit, working a bouncer at a club. Hmm. <clears throat> Very cool. Denies Brenda. I think it was Brenda. <laughs> That's pretty huge. Mm-hmm. I will say, I'm going to give some credit to the If trailer, uh, or just the concept. I don't mind the idea that the movie's called If, which is short for Imaginary Friend. Okay. Oh, that works. Like that? For a kid's movie title, I think that's there's enough going on there. I actually don't think it, it might not be bad. The narrative wow. is already starting. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to put this on your most anticipated list of 2024 <laughs> i'll consider it what you, what year was it that the ghostbusters remake was your most anticipated film of whatever what year, year that film came out okay yeah, what was that <laughs> but it was 2018 2016 jeez tell you All what right. I, th- I still think that one is going to be better than frozen empire definitely i don't, I don't know about that you might I have to revisit it. I think the 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 Let Em Riff Award. Did we we had to have give given that the Let Em Riff, which the Ghostbusters. That award was not in existence then, Jay. Oh well, that's, well, that's awards only been around for two years. It was inspired by Chris Pine in Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> can we do a retroactive? Well, you can add that to. Potentially episode 1000 all-time junkies for the all-time winner for the Let Them Riff Award. Okay. Yeah, we need like lifetime achievement awards for some of these things. That's, that's the junkies 1000, baby. We go through all of cinema history and find the definitive <laughs> BBQ award winner. Hmm. Okay. Sounds when is episode 1000? Have we done the, the math on that to figure out what year? Uh, I mean, it's I like two years will, away, maybe. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be 2025. 
Okay. I'll leave, I'm going to leave that long pause in there. Just that's, I usually edit out pauses. That one needs to stay in. <laughs> yes. let, me, let me make a time note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, that was a heavy, heavy that pause. Was, right that there. Story, that's storytelling. <laughs> that is contrast and negative space storytelling. All right. So time to give a hero shout out. Uh, that was for you, Frank. Throwing the ghost version in there for you. Uh, this week's shout out, this week's hero is Imar the Almost Just. Very Whoa. poetic uh, Patreon name. Wow. Some people are storytellers with their Patreon names. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But Imar, uh, this is your shout out. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you for being a listener and a patron. Thank you for being Imar. Yeah. I don't know if I've, I don't know if this patron is a commenter really. Yeah, that name. I feel like I would remember that name. Oh, I would remember that name. But uh, hey, you don't have to be a commenter to be a hero. Yeah. So, not at all. Not a requirement. I can't talk. <laughs> uh, not a requirement. But if it's an, not just if about anything, the heroes. You're you're more of a hero if you're doing the hero tier and not commenting. I don't know. Sometimes being a hero, you need to make a statement. Maybe that statement is that is the, the statement. Name, the name. Yeah. The statement is, I'm going to, you know, go for the hero tier, but I'm not going to interact or do anything. I'm just going to, just going to be chill. And you might even go as far to say there is no such thing as a silent hero. You have, you have to let the world know you're a hero. Yeah. But some I, I would do the in their around. silence. The true well, we heroes are invisible, Frank. No, not in our show. We don't, we don't play a hero drop after someone doesn't respond to something or say something they did. It, it is provoked by saying something. Fair enough. But if you said, I, 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 don't, I don't want to comment on that, that could be hero drop. Yeah, but you said something. But you said you, it to you, yourself. You did? But <laughs> <laughs> like you have to... Like, you have to wanna, prompt it with some comment on the uh, Wolverine game leak. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I would have to say that. If I didn't say anything, you wouldn't just assume, you wouldn't play a hero drop out of well, nowhere. Fuck, dude, say it. Say it. <laughs> I, will, I won't say it. <laughs> Enough yeah, not I'm, said. <laughs> Uh, all of this to say, Imar, thank you. Uh, and if you'd like to become a hero, you can do so over at patreon.com slash film junk. All right. So let's get into this week's review, which is the holdovers currently, uh, in select theaters and now on VOD as well. Um, directed by Alexander Payne, starring Paul Giamatti, Divine Joy Randolph, uh, Dominic Sessa. Uh, Carrie Preston, Brady Hepner, Ian Dolly, 
And the plot synopsis is a cranky history teacher at a remote prep school is forced to remain on campus over the holidays with a troubled student who has no place to go. What did you guys think of the holdovers? Well, I've talked about it before, so maybe you guys should say what you thought. Um, I, I liked it. It was, uh, I, I will say I loved the cinematography. I wasn't crazy about the fake film thing, but the actual cinematography is great. The natural lighting that still looks, you know, stylish. And um, apparently they used all real locations. And I think that paid off. It feels very season appropriate. Um, and I think the performances were, were good. It just, it felt... Uh, maybe a little underwhelming in terms of just the general story, I guess there, there was there, there's some interesting character stuff in there, but it didn't really uh, knock my socks off, but I don't know. I, I, after, I guess after downsizing, which was just the worst piece of garbage, um, <laughs> This is a bit of a return to form for Alexander Payne, but it's still a little, a little, uh, like film festival-y middle of the road, but, but it does have some nice cynicism running through it. Yeah. I, I pretty much agree with everything you said about the cinematography. It looks great, except for that intro sequence where I think I talked about this on the, when I saw it at TIFF. The Alexander Payne introduced the movie and was saying he wanted to make it like the most 70s movie ever and it being inspired by 70s movies. And I liked the movie more on a rewatch. It's up to a four spoiler. Uh, but there, I think the reason why it just doesn't connect with me, and maybe this is something that will change over time, it just feels so desperate to be alexander payney and it's it's like those albums bands release when they say well this is our we're going back to our roots it's going to be like the first album everyone loves again and they they try to recapture a sound and it doesn't feel that authentic in some ways and i just is get this alexander alexander payne's psycho circus <laughs> psycho circus is, is stands on its own uh i don't think it's trying to recapture anything that was the dawn of a new era uh but <laughs> we won't even go into the digital avatars because <laughs> we have to save that for a future show but uh i don't know there's just it there is this small hint of desperation in the movie that is probably stopping it from being like a four and a half or five out of five and it really you know 10 years ago i would have loved the 70s style focus features and Miramax stuff, but that stuff has been done to death. It's kind of lost. Uh, I want a new version of that or a new idea for how to set a movie and adjust opening titles or production company credits. Someone's got to do something new with that because we've seen this version many times. But overall, I think the core relationships work really well. Uh, I think Dominic Sessa is really good. And... In general, I think it, it has its moments of funniness uh, and moments of uh, heart 
And it's a pretty good adult Christmas movie, which there are not many of these days. So I, in general, I, uh, I, I really enjoy it and I could see it go. I could see it being a movie I watch in the future during the holidays. Yeah. I think, I mean, I liked it quite a bit. I did, uh, I think multiple movies. I did this for a Christmas story as well. Uh, but like I threw it on while I was wrapping gifts. I was definitely getting in the Christmas spirit. Well, and, you uh, watched a premium movie while wrapping gifts. I did. <laughs> partially, partially, not, not the whole thing, but did you, you watch this movie while wrapping gifts as well. Yep. Wait, wait hold on. <laughs> Please just clarify what, which movies did you wrap gifts to? The holdovers and a Christmas story. And I'm trying to think if there was another one. Don't think there was. How many gifts were there? I, don't, I didn't for black Christmas, but oh, there's, there's a few, but I don't um, know if that's allowed. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? It, I think it enhanced. I don't know movie, what you could say. You probably you. shouldn't have said anything. That's bad news. Well, I, I will stand. Uh, <laughs> if if that's uh, you'll you stand know, what? I, I will stand trial on for oh, film okay. junk. I thought you say you'll stand firm. At least uh, what you know. The barbecue mm. award is, uh, you know, like not uh, something I'm proud of. That I watched movies while assembling barbecues. <laughs> it's, well, I mean, it's not like, I feel like I'm not, I don't think it takes that much attention away, to be honest with you, but, uh, I mean, <laughs> depends on your rapping skills, I guess, I guess. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, uh, you know, going for all the, all the ribbons and bows. I'm just, just slapping that paper on, but anyway, right, well, let's move on. Let's move on. The, well, I, we can go through all of this when we record the premium. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. But uh, I, I think as a Christmas movie, I think it actually works pretty well. And I think, uh, like you guys are saying, it, it's kind of it's not overly sentimental. Like like it it's it has emotional moments that really worked for me. But it's also like an interesting. I think what I like about it is it kind of captures the sense that very few Christmas movies do. Uh, unless they're like trying to be romantic comedies or something. The idea that Christmas is not always a happy time of year for people, you know, like so, for some people and depending on what's going on in your life, Christmas can be a really tough time to get through. And uh, I like that it captures that idea of like these, you know, few kids that are basically don't, aren't able to go home to their families. So they're stuck at this school. I, I was a little, I don't know if I would say disappointed because in the end I still liked it, but like I, I thought it was going to be a lot more about the the uh, the crew of kids, like because there's a bunch of kids that are that stay behind initially, but then most of them end up leaving partway through the movie, and it really becomes much more about uh, the the one kid with Paul Giamatti and their relationship, uh, which which was. Fine. And, and if anything, that kind of enhances that feeling of what I'm talking about. Like you think you're about to bond with the few people that can't go home and now all those people are gone and now it's just you. So it just kind of doubles down for, for what he's going through. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Paul Giamatti, like it feels like I assume the role was written with him in mind. Like it just feels like something that's kind of in his wheelhouse uh, and I think, you know, it's not, I'm trying to think of like, I agree with what you're saying, Frank, in terms of it feeling very Alexander Payne, but you know, and I think 
back to like movies like Sideways and stuff. And I feel like they're a little bit more broad, I guess, in terms of the comedy and stuff. Whereas this one feels a little bit darker, maybe. See, I don't know. I saw Sean. It, be, tread carefully. This guy owns Alexander Payne. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, I think I talked about this after Tiff as well. The there's a part where he's chasing Dominic Sess's character through the school, and he's doing this run that is almost directed or performed to be like broad humor. I do not imagine that person runs like that. Uh, that's a moment where it felt amped up and uh, maybe playing to audiences more than the subject matter. Yeah. I mean, I, there's definitely a few moments, but I think of like the party towards the end that they all go to. And I was expecting that to turn into some big kind of comedic set piece. And it kind of doesn't, you know, it kind of goes the opposite direction. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just thought it was a good balance of that stuff. And, uh, and I got, you know, I got no problem with a little bit of broad humor here and there, but, uh, yeah. And there's also a moment at the very end of the movie that felt a lot like sideways. I think it's actually inside. It's similar to something that's in sideways uh, involving alcohol. Cool. I don't, I don't remember sideways very well. Wrapping something. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Oh, Sean, you never should have. I mean, I appreciate your honesty. There's, that there's something to be said for that, especially in the holiday but, but season. It, but I mean, technically, it was it was honesty, but like it was a, a naive honesty. Like he didn't think yeah. you you would have an issue with this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I brought out my phone once in a theater, and I haven't heard the end of it for the last two years. So, uh, I mean, this is the beauty of Sean. Were, being you, able were to you in watch a theater? A movie were you like wa- this ra- at home. <laughs> Wrapping gifts in a theater when you're watching this? <laughs> Haven't done that yet, no. You, you can't help but f- draw subtle comparisons to Wes Anderson with this movie. I think even, you know, when Election came out, it felt like it was at, like, kind of uh, one of, at, at, what am I trying to say? One of a piece of two. <laughs> one of a piece of two or it was like um a companion piece to rushmore twin flames bit. twin burning flames was election <laughs> an mtv movie it was yep and rushmore was right or was so. it yeah sounds right yeah and frank just gave a really like half confident yeah i don't think so i don't think it is actually <laughs> you just said yeah dude i know i'm changing my um, mind it's not let's but, find out let's find out but they looks they, like it's not they both feel like they're of a certain time and they came out and felt very similar because it was before Wes Anderson went completely out of his mind. Uh, So you can imagine the holdovers being the mature, the the, the more mature, I guess, uh, trajectory that someone like Wes Anderson could have taken. And this could just be because there was a Cat Stevens song in this that is in, Rushmore, <laughs> but um, the, it it felt very, very kind of in the spirit of early Wes Anderson, and it just made me think about Asteroid City and how far off the rails he's he's gone, uh, Mister Anderson, Mister Anderson. <laughs> yeah, dude, I didn't even think about that. Fuck. 
Um, we made that joke before. Ah ha ha! Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> Did we make that joke? It's a good one, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> But it, it was a, a good good little watch. I did like Paul Giamatti. I, I like the relationship between him and everyone. I, I think he that's one good thing Alexander Payne seems to do is create these unusual relationships between characters that um, are very different from each other, but reveal something within each other through their relationships. And uh, I think that this film captures that feeling yeah there's a every character has a lot of depth especially the three main characters you get a sense of and how it's revealed is pretty interesting you're learning things about them towards the end of the movie that inform things you've seen previously and they're pretty dense characters overall and there's a side plot i don't even want to spoil what it is that actually gets pretty real as well uh that could have seems sentimental at first, but there are consequences to it. So uh, I, I think it actually, the movie comes together quite nicely by the end. Uh, it, it, it All the threads kind of pull together for a pretty satisfying conclusion, which in my opinion is pretty rare these days. And uh, yeah, the, each character, especially Paul Giamatti's character, there's a lot going on there. Even stuff, I mean, we haven't talked about his issues with his eyes, which I think there's some uh, interesting like ideas with that uh, and a payoff like with switching, that. switching each scene kind of like changing up, which eye is. Well, I think I'm talking, it, it leads to a moment that I think is. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I think th- it's setting up the moment, that moment yes. by yeah. throughout the film. Cause early on I was like, it, the last scene that was the other eye and yeah, i just noticed I, it was switching back and forth i but. guess i'm surprised when i saw it at tiff i thought this was going to be a big deal like that they did that Do you know a big I mean? deal yeah like, like a controversial yeah i thought it might be is hmm. there any like i'm not really plugged in these days is, is anyone talking about that i mean everybody's saying oscar gold for paul giamatti so i don't know okay uh, i just <laughs> I also thought it was an interesting angle to like, he talks about his smell, which is, mm. doesn't get, I remember there being, you know, when I was growing up, people who smelled and it was like a weird thing there, it was, and it was, it was, it could be cruel and mean. And I thought there was like interesting stuff with that and how he's kind of dealt with being unappreciated most of his life and how it's informed who he is. Uh, to some degree. And I, again, I just really like how deep and well thought out the characters are. There are a few moments where it feels it gets into a little bit of caricature. Like I feel like his character, maybe there's one too many moments where he talks academically yes. to uh, someone who clearly is not an academic yeah. to express this disconnect socially that he has. I had a very similar Santa, the Santa moment in the bowling alley and um, or the one in the bar when he, uh, when the, what's the, what's the Dominic says character's name? Johnny, Jesse, Angus, 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 uh, has a run in with some people from town 
And cause it's, it's strange because that character, he clearly has some awareness of all different types of groups and people that other people don't have. Right. So for him to be unaware of that felt off character for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it's just his way of making small talk though. Like even if he's, knows that it's not really going to connect with people. He has nothing else. So he's just got to fill in the gap somehow. But yeah, it, it was like, well, it, maybe it, he just thinks he should talk the same to everyone. He shouldn't pretend to be someone and just be honest with people. I could see an angle like that as well, but I don't know. It just felt a little exaggerated again, playing into caricatures as Jay was saying. Yeah. Like the, the scene with the Santa suit, he engages in that conversation. It's not like he's, pulled into some social situation where he's floundering. He, he actively engages with someone dressed as Santa and explains to them how their outfit would have looked or should look. Um, <clears throat> so that was a, and I feel like the parents, Angus's parents are, were a little one note. Um, we don't see them very much, but when we do, it's a little, a little one note, but, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're not main characters. They're kind of existing in the background and affecting things from afar. But, but I mean, generally I, I, I liked it. I was after the trailer, I mean, the trailer wasn't bad. It just looked like it was going to be pure film festival fodder and it is, but there are elements that rise above. I think it's, it feels very inviting and the characters, it's very, Hang outy, hang outy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there so. is something to Alexander Payne movies in general about being uh, film festivaly, but at the same time a little subversive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also just I f- film festival subversive. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just feel like I don't know. There's just not a lot of this stuff coming out, and I know. <laughs> this is a thing I say and Frank gets angry at me, but like, it's kind of true. Like there's only a handful of directors that can kind of just, you know, get, get a movie made. That's kind of just a dramedy. That's not like a genre film and, uh, and have it kind of get out to a wide audience. Like, yes, film festivals are full of these kinds of movies, but most of them don't get beyond that festival. So, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily about it getting made. I'm sure some directors are pretty conscious about wanting it to be seen as well. And I just think it's less likely that movies like this get seen nowadays and that might affect decisions as well. Yeah. Especially Um, for up and coming filmmakers. Like I don't, I'm sure there's tons of filmmakers that just want the chance to, to make the movie they want to make. So, uh, or just get an opportunity to make anything. So they're required to direct things that are part of uh, the algorithm. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's kind of what I'm saying though, is like, you know, you could have a script that's really great. That's just kind of a, a drama with some comedy in it. But if the director is not known for a lot of people, it's like, well, I can't, like, how are we going to sell this thing? Like, it doesn't, you need that director behind it. That's like, oh, okay. It's from this director. Now I'm on board. Um, that's why so many of them start in genre, specifically horror. When you think of 
a lot of the filmmakers now that are the younger generation of exciting filmmakers, I think a lot of them can be traced back to um, first films or at least first successful films that are genre films. Yeah. Well, I think there's some aspect of that to the people who are successful in the eighties, like James Cameron and uh, Mm -hmm. there's another big one. Although he's, he's always made genre stuff, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think also with Alexander Payne tracing back to election, I know Citizen Ruth was before that, but election was his kind of more commercial breakthrough. That film is a lot more of a broad comedy with, um, you know, obviously still a lot of cynicism in there and, and uh, uh off, you can tell that there's a, a filmmaker behind it that has a voice. Um, so it makes sense that that's the film that kind of allowed him the opportunity to make everything he's made since then. But I, I feel like downsizing had the potential of knocking him off track. I mean, I yeah. guess it did for a while. Yeah, potentially. Um, yeah, I don't like, I guess just to follow up on what you were saying, Jay, about it being kind of a hangout movie. I really like the scenes where they're just at the school watching like, um, what was it? Uh, love connection or, or oh, I should have just let Sean talk because he, yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> was bad. that was bad. That was bad. Dig himself a whole <laughs> love connection. Come on, dude. Well, it was that those scenes, I don't know, the idea of an academic kind of having to watch something like that, but then actually kind of enjoying it and, and, uh, them commenting on it, I thought was, was fun. Yeah. I thought all it, the stuff at the school was pretty good. I like the location too, the school itself. Um, I did find it weird that for a character that's so. Uh, you're supposed to under believe that they're just a totally hated asshole. You know, he doesn't do a lot that is assholey in this. Yeah, it's like, just I feel how, like, he, how he treats his students, basically, <laughs> or he right, expects and, a lot of them. But he generally, it feels like he's a lot more capable socially than some people I know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, uh, that's a hundred percent true. I had a similar thought and it was a man. It was a man named Otto, a man called Otto basically what did the insane version of this last year. Right. right? Like, he's <laughs> I could the, see that. Yeah. He's the most, the meanest guy ever yet is the nicest per- Like it makes no sense. Like how they frame these characters. Some sign some, sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I got, it's like this, I understand how students might be annoyed with how he marks, but, uh, it seems hard to believe that he's hated universally by everyone. <laughs> and I will say, I prefer the subtle, you know, maybe people getting this idea that they hate him based on a misunderstanding or misinterpretation of something he does rather than the auto version where he just is like, get out of here. I, I didn't see that movie, but <laughs> you got, you know. hey, if you see it, you got to see it front row. <laughs> looking up with your at a side angle with your neck about to break it's the only way to watch that movie okay might have to wait for the theatrical re-release 
<laughs> oh, I'm sure there'll be some seniors matinees that I can, I'll let you know if I hear about them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it, I had seen something. I was looking on uh, IMDb at the trivia section because I was trying to find out with the I. Th- I love trivia. <laughs> with the eye thing, if it was uh, a contact lens or if they were using CG in certain points, and I, I didn't find anything, but I did end up seeing something about Alexander Payne saying that the the fact that people were referring to this movie or describing it as cozy made him want to vomit. <laughs> but I, I think it is cozy. It's got a very welcoming vibe and look and feel yeah wrap Currently, some gifts while you're watching it it's even more cozy don't the fireplace. Go there, do not try to <laughs> rationalize this behavior uh paul giamatti is currently sixth in the the gambling odds there's five others above him hmm. really oh that's worse odds than i thought the two favorites being uh Killian Murphy and uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Just checking some supporting. Uh, Divine Joy Randolph is the favorite currently for best supporting actress. Hmm. 1.61. I thought she was good. I I, I thought she had some really good moments and then some okay moments. Yeah, I mean, again, like it's a character that you might think isn't uh, isn't as fleshed out as some of the others, but by the end, I think she is. Yeah, she definitely has a good way of bringing some of the characters back to reality, and she's been through like s- some really intense uh, trauma, and it's you know it puts everyone else's things into perspective, which I think is kind of appropriate for a holiday movie. And as Sean said, one that might be more about people who have tougher times during the holidays. So I was just looking up a little bit about the eye thing as well. And it seems like it wasn't CGI because Dominic Sessa doesn't know how they did it, but like apparently he was seeing it on set. So it was some kind of physical back to makeup. Like a misaligned contact lens or something. Yeah. Or it could just, yeah. Or, yeah, that they could be one that covers part up, or it could be just something that pushes the eye in a direction and stays in the eye. Yeah. Movie magic. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, this is the definition. Movies are dreams. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts on the holdovers? Just two tiny nitpicks. One. The photo that he has of his family. That says fuckwad? Yeah, that, it's a weird photo. It, it looks like half illustrated, half... Like, it, it looks like one of those bad, you know, art department has to create an old photo of a family and does well, it through... Some, with, there's some other questionable production. Like, the kid's wig uh, at the one part was pretty bad. Also, there was a moment... And unless I missed something, I, I was not wrapping presents, but maybe I was like thinking about wrapping presents or something. But 
I when just, he hold has that thought, Jay. When you said you noticed that photo, did you notice it in the movie or going through IMDb stills? Because I see your eyes glancing. Uh, you're you're looking things up. I I was reminded by the oh, trailer okay. that's Remi- playing. Okay, <laughs> but when I saw it, it was. Do you agree? Like it kind of looks. It's tough for me to say. I didn't notice it watching the movie, but <clears throat> I'm looking at the still on IMDb, and yeah, it's pretty bad. Also, when he f- when he has the uh like cherry bomb thing the fire m80 was it an m8 i don't think it's an m80 is it i think it's an m80 like a big m80 um and they say where oh, where did you get that and he just says i don't know found it somewhere like it just seemed like a really lazy <laughs> explanation as to how this guy has a firework in his possession but yeah, I don't like the idea of kids setting off fireworks indoors. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did not like it. They should have listed that on the uh, fake R rating, uh, you know, 70s MPAA card. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great moment. Great moment. It's Got a- your attention back on the movie. <laughs> Definitely. Um, okay. What are you guys going to give the holdovers out of five stars? I'll give it a four. I'm also a four. I'm going to give it four with the half star bump for wrapping gifts. Just a great experience. It's four and a half. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) Very interesting. Um, Okay. So let's get into some other stuff we watched. Frank. Uh, do you want to tell us about the boy and the heron? Sure. Uh, I knew very little about this movie other than it was apparently the last Miyazaki film. Is that true? Was there some backpedaling on that or? Yeah, I, f- I feel like it's not confirmed. It could be his last, but then I think they've said he's already talking about his next. Okay. I really don't know. All right. So some marketing that might affect star rating. Uh, <laughs> I haven't logged it yet. But, you know, they don't always make it to theaters around here. And I was uh, kind of intrigued by the title as well. Great Blue Heron is my number one bird of all time. And I wanted to see a heron on screen, animated. And that's kind of the crux of my thoughts about the movie. (laughs) Number one, the heron gorfing fish. I could watch that all day. Uh, it was stunning to look at in general, the visuals unsurprisingly were fantastic. I did not know it was basically a Alice in Wonderland labyrinth, uh, pan's labyrinth kind of movie. And it's borrowing or inspired pretty heavily by those films, sometimes directly, I would say, or they might all be influenced by the same source material at some level. Uh, but Visuals, fantastic. The heron specifically, but even the heron changes. There's two versions of the heron. And one I love when it's just the classic heron versus this grotesque creature that it, I don't, I don't necessarily want to spoil, but the heron changes. And the, the design it changes to, I was not that crazy about. Even later in the movie, there are uh, creatures, parakeets, that I thought that design was completely uninspired. 
and almost felt like a production thing, like making them easy to draw. Because uh, the king parakeet looked incredible. But look, see if you can look up Boy and the Heron parakeets and see if I'm like, I just found these to be like, this is what we get. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm looking through Stella's. They look pretty nice so far. You got to see a group of them. That's where like the, the kind of. The different colored ones. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. I, I didn't, I was not a fan of the look I mean, of the it parakeets. Just, yeah. It looks a little more cartoony than. The, if you're looking at the image, Sean, where they're flying. That one's not bad. It's when they're kind of standing in an anthropomorphic form. I mm. was not doing much for me. Uh, but overall, I liked it. I do feel like there's weird story stuff at the end where I'm like, I it's losing me big time. Uh, w- whether it's metaphor, allegory, or who these different characters represent, uh, I was starting to get lost in the plot. Uh, but the visuals definitely held my attention. Uh, so it, I'm kind of torn. It's kind of like a 3.75 for me. And I'm, I'm just, I don't know which way to lean. Part of me wants to leave lean four because I like the visuals so much. Part of me thinks it's like kind of story and plot, like beyond confusing towards the end that w- should warrant a bigger penalty. I don't know. I haven't decided. I cannot settle on a star rating, but I'm glad I checked it out. Hmm. And <clears throat> would you describe this as like, is this like, is there uh, like supernatural fantasy elements in this? Oh yeah. It's, it's so when I was saying it's like Alice in Wonderland, it's uh, a boy, his mother dies early in the movie and then he's mo- getting moved to another location. If anything, it reminded me the most of Pan's Labyrinth where the, his father has a new wife that's going to be his new mother. And then she is pregnant really like Pan's Labyrinth. And then she kind of gets lost in this tower at this house they live at. And then he crosses over into another world to try to save her. And it's like a fantasy scenario. It's so I, I love that structure and those types of movies, which is making me lean towards a light four. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's more fantasy than I thought it was going into it. I really didn't know what it was when I went to see the movie. Yeah, it's. Weird. I saw Just the English the- dubbed version. I should say, the uh, it was only, the Japanese with English subtitles was like only at ten p.m. I don't know what's the preferred way to watch a Miyazaki movie. If I think it's debatable because the dubs are usually pretty high quality, right? Yeah, but I, I don't know. Probably most people will still say subtitled. I'm guessing. Yeah, I didn't love all the voice perform- performances. I thought like the Dave Bautista casting was more about the look of the character. I, I didn't think his voice performance was all that good. Mm. Do I have to decide on a star rating now? It's hey, I mean, it's it's up to you. I you can log it when you want. You don't have to I don't I never log as we're recording. I know you like to do that sometimes, but Take your time. That's what I say. Okay. I will take my time. <clears throat> yeah. It's just weird. Like on IMDb, the, the genre labels are just animation, adventure, and drama, which, I mean, that doesn't always mean anything, but I, I think his last film, The Wind Rises, was more of a biopic, like just a straight up drama, I think. 
uh, haven't seen it, but so I was curious, but, uh, yeah, I do want to check this out. And I should say, I know it's not a great blue heron in the movie. It's a gray heron, but they look similar. The heron looks good. Oh, the, stills. the heron is incredible. It looks so good. There just wasn't enough heron by the end of the movie. All the heron, <laughs> it, it's front loaded with heron. <laughs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> Jay, over to you. Uh, I don't have anything. I, I've been watching Squid Game. <laughs> I started watching it. <laughs> Three episodes. You started watching the show or the, yeah. or the reality show? Oh, the reality show. You're going to the original show now? Yeah, I, I hadn't seen it. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, how, I'm a few episodes away from the end of that. How are you finding that? I like it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Is it spoiling anything having seen the reality show first? Outside of just knowing what the challenges are. Right. Although I don't know what if the last one will be the same, but I was kind of surprised how closely the reality show follows the the tv show and and how it kind of works but so far the most i haven't watched i think i've watched three episodes of the reality show the most interesting part of the show to me is deciding what shape to pick or who gets what shape yeah (laughs) how is it not obvious that you you just have to do a random pick yeah i don't know why people wouldn't i mean i guess you might still get people that are willing to get eliminated instead of putting it up to random chance. But that seems like the only fair way to decide. It just seems so obvious. Yeah. I mean, I like the aspect I like of that is the team that they're go, they're representing really puts the pressure on them to make sure they come back with the easiest shape. So I think that, creates this weird ego thing with him. Like, I'm not going to give up this, this shape. I can't go back with an umbrella. Yeah. I think those people are production plants. <laughs> you just, you just did the thing. Did I, do? The per- <laughs> <laughs> I was proud of that point. <laughs> oh, it's not gone. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. You really dropped the the hammer with that <laughs> comment. Yeah, it's it's interesting how it's tied so deeply to making a I'm dropping gl- a hot take. A bold <laughs> statement. I'm glad you reminded me. What is it called? Where you trace the shape out of the cookie? Something with a D. Mm, is it I like heard. D D J A G G U or something? Dalgona Dalgona cookies. I keep forgetting. I want to try this. We got to try it. I'm surprised these aren't selling like hotcakes. I, I've never seen a challenge in anything that looked like I could try that at home. And I want to try that home because it looks so easy. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should order some of these for the live stream. Might have to. One, one thing that made more sense about the reality show now that I'm watching the show show is the children's challenges. Like that, that they're kids games. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Okay, cool. So I, well, I watched May, December, which Frank talked about last week. I don't know if I have that much to add to it. I think I was pretty similar to 
Frank in that I kind of thought I was going to really enjoy it. And then, I don't know, something about it just never really clicked with me. It's it's weird because I just found the tone was, it was, it was trying to find a, a, an equilibrium and it never really got there uh, for me. I don't know why. Were you, were you wrapping presents for this one, Sean? I wasn't. That's probably the problem. I needed to be wrapping presents. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I think the performances were fine. And again, it's kind of an intriguing concept because it is sort of based on a real life thing. But then it's this idea of bringing an actor into the mix of like, because it's almost more commenting on actors in some ways. Uh, but obviously, also just sort of the tabloidy thing and like yeah i it, it was fine just didn't i mean i've been seeing it on a lot of top 10 lists i don't know about you frank people I've seen are saying number things. one on a lot of top 10 lists <laughs> yeah and i'm generally confounded by that yeah me too uh okay back over to you frank anything else nope okay i got two other things to mention so i watched 20 days in mariapol trying to catch up on i feel like documentaries we were talking about this with the junkers choice awards it just seemed like a a light year in terms of acclaimed documentaries maybe because a lot of them are series now um but this one i had seen mentioned a lot of places kind of expected to be an oscar nominee it's you know got great reviews and it's about sort of the early days of the Russian invasion of Ukraine and how they kind of lay siege to Mariupol. And there's journalists within the city after they've kind of been cut off, still trying to get uh, news dispatches to the outside world. And it's, I mean, it's a rough watch, man. Like it's, you know, I guess when you watch a war documentary, you go in expecting that there's going to be some hard to watch things in it. But you probably also think uh, in a kind of selfish way that there's going to be some thrilling kind of set pieces where you're embedded with soldiers and, and there's some action. But it really spends a lot of time just in hospitals, watching people die, people being brought in with, you know, horrible injuries. And, and it's rough. Uh, so... <laughs> You know, and th there is this debate throughout the film, I think, where it's like they, they keep filming stuff that's happening and some of the people are commenting to the journalists, like, why are you shooting this? You know, get out of my face kind of thing. And it's and then them making the argument back. No, people need to see what's going on. We need to get this to the rest of the world. And so that's an interesting kind of dialogue that's happening throughout the film, kind of uh, under the surface a bit. But um but yeah, I mean, it, it was good, and it's like a cor courageous act of filmmaking in a lot of ways. And yet, at the same time, I'm like, it was not, it was a tough experience, and it's tough to recommend. So, um, but it's it's free on YouTube if, if you're interested. And uh, I, I believe it's a PBS uh, documentary as well, so I assume it's been airing on PBS at some point. But, yeah, uh, I've been meaning to watch this. I, I'm, I'm seeing it now on YouTube here, adding it to my watch list alongside a lot of other things. 
This reminded um, me, what was the documentary, Jay, you talked about? I think it was a documentary from this year about uh, death, people's last dying moments. Dying at Grace. It, that- I mean, I watched it this year. The documentary is from, I think, the 80s or early okay. 90s. But it reminds me of, I can't remember the name of the film now, but I saw a documentary at TIFF in 2010, and it was a war documentary, and it, it was a similar thing where it was just at a hospital and it was kids being brought in and various, uh, you know, stages of dying. And there were a lot of walkouts. Was that just, uh, was that the one that was just called journalist or is that a different one? No, I can't remember what it was called now, but, um, cause that so, one, the journalist one was interesting. And I kind of was reminded that of that a bit because that one, it, explores like how do you get across to other people through news the impact of a war and you know usually it's about focusing on individual stories as opposed to the overall scale of how many people are dying and that kind of thing so that's definitely an element of this movie as well so i looked up that dying at grace and i don't know when it was filmed but the movie came out in 2003 so that was a couple okay. decades off, but uh, <laughs> not a big deal. But the reason I'm bringing it up is going down IMDb. More like this storyline. Did you know connections referenced in Film Junk Podcast episode 904? Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> we're we're on IMDb. Wow, nice. And then I found my own listing, which is kind of terrifying. I'm on IMDb. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but I mean, it must have been back when we still had the the actual site. No, it's from this year. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Were you wrapping presents two minutes ago? What the fuck? Oh, I thought you were talking about the, <laughs> the documentary that, that Jay watched. I guess that was, was that from this year as well? Well, yeah, it must be. <laughs> this, this guy, guy is wrapping, wrapping a lot of presents. Imaginary <laughs> presents. He's thinking about the presents he still has left to wrap. Ip from the imagination of Sean Dwyer. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense that it would get into IMDb still because there's nothing... Uh, like, we were a news source for IMDb at one point, but there's no news being posted anymore. All so the Game know. Junk episodes are on IMDb. I don't know if this is auto-generated stuff or... Someone's doing it, but it's all there. Hmm. Weird. Uh, okay. Last thing I watched, um, didn't get a chance to watch anything for Noir Vember. So, you know, <laughs> had to do it for uh, December instead. But they actually have a uh, collection on Criterion right now, which is Holiday Noirs. And there was a movie in there that I had been meaning to watch for quite a while called Lady in the Lake, which is. Directed by and starring Robert Montgomery, based on a Raymond Chandler story. Um, It's a Philip Marlowe mystery. But the interesting thing with this is it's all, almost all, shot in first person. So it's like very early attempt at doing a entirely POV movie. And they kind of sell it as like, you have to solve the mystery kind of thing. Like that's what the poster says. There's like a little opening monologue where it's like, pay attention to the clues. And 
Hardcore Henry wasn't the first of its kind? It wasn't. Believe it or not, it wasn't. Um, this was 1946. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's a gimmick. It's not, <laughs> it's not really that interesting in the movie. There's a few things that are kind of cool, but it's like, it's mostly just conversations. So it's just people talking to the camera, basically. Uh, there are some moments where it's like the camera moves and is looking around the room for clues or for certain things. There's some slight action sequences where it's like, you know, somebody gets punched out or something. Um, but just an interesting experiment, I guess. Interesting to see how they pull it off. And it, like in terms of camera movement and stuff, like it looks pretty good, like pretty convincing for the most part how they do it. So um, I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool, but definitely in terms of the story, super confusing plot. I completely lost the thread towards the end. So I guess that's kind of par for the course, but uh, it's called Lady in the Lake. It's on Criterion currently, if you're interested. And I should mention, it is a holiday film. It takes place during Christmas. I wonder if this was an inspiration for a Avatar Frontiers of Pandora with all of the detective work you do in that game, <laughs> which is like, what? Uh, Pandora is known for detective work and it's all done through a first person to really feel like you're solving these things. Sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, it, Pretty, it does remind me a bit, like, I don't think, uh, LA was LA noir. Did it have first person sections or was it just like over the shoulder? I can't really remember now, but well, I mean, when you're doing the interrogation, I, I don't think your character's in frame. It's just observing, the expression of the person you're interviewing, but I, I do right. not quote me on that. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was reminding me a bit of LA noir. Like it feels like it's weird to watch a 1946 film and think this feels like a video game, but it does. And that's kind of interesting. So that's probably more about the first person perspective. I would think though. It is, but it's just the fact that again, like you're, you're kind of watching, like you were just saying, like you're watching the person who's talking, thinking, are they lying or not? And like, there's an element of a lot of people in the movie are untrustworthy. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I actually what, would think Rashomon would be play a, a role in this. Actually, Rashomon came after that's kind of crazy. Cause when you're hearing each person's testimony in Rashomon, in Rashomon like, it's you're looking right at them and evaluating what they're saying. So yeah, that's true. Uh, I just want to mention that documentary I was talking about is tears of Gaza from 2010. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I think that's it. Anything else uh, you guys watched or we wrapping this up? I think we're that's wrapping it. this up. Let's watch a movie. Wrap this thing up. <laughs> All right. Let's talk DVD, Blu-ray, and VOD releases this week. The Exorcist Believer, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, The Retirement Plan, and Butcher's Crossing. On 4K, we've got Exorcist Believer, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, uh, The Warriors, JFK, The Dead Zone, Underworld, not the 90s or 2000 film. Uh, it's the 1985 film 
Star Trek Strange New World Season 2 on 4K as well. Uh, catalog releases, we've got Columbo Seasons 1 to 7 on Blu-ray, which is kind of cool. Is this... Uh, how many seasons of that show were there, Jay? Are you picking this up? I, I have two of them. One for myself, one for my mom for Christmas. Oh, there you go. Um, I don't know how many seasons in total there are because eventually they became TV movies, but this is the first box set. The second one, I believe, will deal with like the 90s, the 90s movies and later Columbo years. Okay. And we've also got Shaw Brothers Classics Volume 4, Savage Guns, Four Classic Westerns, uh, High Spirits, The Sure Thing, Mondo, New York, Man Behind the Sun, 1, 2, and 3, Masaki, Yuasa, Five Films, Our Town, Elegant Beast, The Rachel Papers, Made in Hong Kong, and Life is Cheap, But Toilet Paper is Expensive. On digital, we've got The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Trolls Band Together, and Dream Scenario, I believe comes out on Friday on VOD. And then I think we, we forgot to mention last week, The Abyss and True Lies, both out on VOD in 4K. And Aliens. And, and Aliens. And Jay, what was the word on the the transfers on those? Like, you're saying that Oh boy, yeah. And does that, and will that represent what the actual physical release is going to look like next year? I would imagine so. Yes. The uh, the abyss is the one that is the preferred, I guess, amongst the three. Um, but from what I understand, I have not seen these. But from what I hear, it's very similar to the Terminator Two situation. There's been AI upresing used or something, or AI used to eliminate some some grain. Or I, I it, it sounds like what they're doing maybe is digital noise reduction to get rid of some grain, and then using AI to then fill back in some information. And apparently, both True Lies and Aliens don't look great because of that but i have not seen them myself okay um but yeah i guess that's a that's a thing cameron's known for with his 4k releases right like is that he just likes the look of that or what's the deal i'm guessing he just prefers everything to look modern hmm. okay uh, on streaming, we've got uh, Maestro on Netflix, Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire on Netflix, Saltburn on Prime, uh, Marvel's What If Season 2 on Disney+, Plus, Percy Jackson and the Olympians on Disney+, Plus, uh, Doctor Who, The Church on Ruby Road on Disney+. Plus. Like, what is the deal? Is this like the fourth special? Like, how many specials did they do? Did they turn Doctor Who into whoa, like whoa, what? Whoa, 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 relax, dude. Doctor Who, Who fans want their specials too, okay? <laughs> yeah, it just seems like, like I know the last season of Sherlock, it kind of became just, instead of episodes, it was almost like each episode was like a 90-minute movie. Kind of feels like that's what 
they're doing with Doctor Who here, but I mean, hey, I know nothing about Doctor Who, so. Um, on HBO, also a documentary called Daniel. Is it? Have you heard anything about that, Jay? No. What is it? Uh, I, I feel Dan, like is it, it a Daniel Baldwin documentary? <laughs> no, I, I think it's like some kind of um, this like guy who kind of goes out. He's almost like an explorer. He goes out and like shoots stuff himself. Um, it sounded kind of interesting, but I'm not sure if this is a feature or if it's a series. It kind of sounds like the Outdoor Boys YouTube channel. <laughs> so it's a documentary about a young adventurer who made a fateful trip to a cursed, quote unquote, Mayan cave produced mm. by Adam McKay. Mm. But uh, that's on HBO. And then in theaters, we've got a lot of stuff. So Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, Migration, The Iron Claw, Anyone But You, and American Fiction, I believe, are all in wide release. I'm not sure if all of those are in wide release in Canada specifically. Uh, I guess we'll find out. All of Us Strangers in limited release, along with The Zone of Interest. And then on December 25th, Ferrari, The Boys in the Boat, and The Color Purple are all, I believe, in wide release. So, a lot of stuff to, to watch. We're going to try... As we said, this will probably be the last show of the year, but I think, I don't know, if we can get some sort of like one-off reviews in between, maybe we might try and cover a couple of movies, but otherwise we'll come back in January and it's going to be a pretty big show, I think. Um, so, yeah. Anything else uh, you guys need to mention? Nope. No, I I will give one shout out. Maybe I'll do this every once in a while. A YouTube channel recommendation <laughs> at the end okay. of the show. Um, YouTube channel I've been watching lately and enjoying Justin Hawkins rides again. So Justin Hawkins is the lead singer of the darkness. And I guess since 2003, when they had their big hit with a thing called love, um, He's still in that band, but obviously not at the same level. They're not at the same level they were back then. So he has a YouTube channel now, and he does reaction videos to other performers, to, um, you know, talks about the movie in, or the music industry. But one thing I like in particular, he does a series where he refers to them as be nice videos, where he'll look at something that is being shared or goes viral because it's like the, the puddle of mud about a girl performance, Corey Feldman's today show performance. And he reacts to it and analyzes it from the perspective of a musician and tries to be as nice as possible when referring to it, but still has fun laughing at it. He's just got a, he's a very uh, entertaining and charming guy and his youtube channel is is a lot of fun so check it out hmm. <clears throat> sounds cool sounds kind of like uh john krasinski's like uh no. only good news no uh, <laughs> no 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 <laughs> okay i'll just add what a great year <clears throat> for film for junk. youtube oh thank 
Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone. All of our fans, listeners, patrons, heroes. Just a great time to look back and be thankful for another fantastic year. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everyone. Happy holidays. The junkies are coming. They are coming. Probably not for a few weeks still, but they're coming. So, uh, filmjunk.com, patreon.com slash filmjunk, filmjunk.bandcamp.com. Until next time, see you guys later. Bye-bye. I heard that.